the Career Pod, brought to you by Transition Solutions. Your host for today's episode is one of our senior consultants and a member of the Career Pod team, Ms. Joan Blake. Hi, my name is Joan Blake. I'm a senior consultant with Transition Solutions, and I am joined today by Josh Chernin. Josh is a global operations and manufacturing executive with extensive experience in the United States and Europe. He is currently consulting in a partnership as a partner in a consulting firm called Business Improvement Group, which focuses on operations and manufacturing. Welcome, Josh. Thank you, Joan. It's good to be here. So tell us a little bit about your early life and education and if and how it influenced your career choices and direction. Uh, It did, and I had an interesting experience in college. I started out as a physics major intending to become a meteorologist. And then I learned two things. One is that I would need to go on to get a master's in something called fluid dynamics, whatever that is. Uh, And the other is that me and calculus didn't get along. So I needed a plan B, and plan B became a major in economics. And the only reason I made that decision is because I had taken a couple of classes in economics and enjoyed it. But I discovered something along the way, and that is that the physics curriculum was very narrow. Uh, It consisted of physics and math, and that was about it, whereas the economics curriculum required courses in sociology, uh, political science, English, uh, statistics, history, and a bunch of other related fields. And I don't know if I was conscious of it at the time, But the lesson I eventually learned is that I'm more interested in becoming a generalist than a specialist. And that was a real important lesson that has translated all the way through my career. And when I finally became uh, a thing called general manager, which was quite a few years later, I kind of felt that I had arrived, that, that that was the job that I had been preparing for my whole life. And why was that? Well, because a general manager is a generalist, is not an expert. Uh, You're not an engineer, you're not an accountant, you're not a purchasing guy, you're not an HR person. You're a person who has to put the pieces together and make sense out of them. And I really enjoyed that aspect of the the job, of understanding and communicating the strategy and of translating that into tactics uh, and specific tasks that we had to complete in order to support that strategy. But it required uh, decisions every day in a whole variety of different fields, so I had to know something about them, but I was not an expert, and I didn't want to be an expert. (laughs) That's great. That's great. What was most challenging and most rewarding in the early years of your career? I think the most rewarding part was uh, seeing results, and that's one thing I like about manufacturing. It's easy to see results. When the quality of something is better, you can see it. When your productivity goes up, you can see it. That was immediately rewarding. The more challenging aspect was, I would say, uh, the political aspects. Uh, which have been a challenge off and on through my entire career. (laughs) 
Uh, I don't think I appreciated how important relationships were, especially at the senior levels, and how important it was to understand the politics of the company. Uh, and I certainly didn't know how to navigate the politics. Uh, so that was a challenge. How did you learn? Uh, mostly by getting my face beat, beat in. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, I had a couple of really good bosses who took an interest in me. You could say it was like a mentor relationship and helped me understand the importance of these things and how to navigate these things. Uh, it's still not the strongest part of my game. Uh, I'm a lot better for it, at it, and I certainly appreciate it more. Uh, and I think I'm very conscious of it now, which I guess is a step forward. Uh, but you learn by doing, and you learn by observing, especially people who are good at it. So what advice would you have for someone early in their career who wanted to be more effective in managing relationships? Well, first of all, be cognizant of the fact that it really is people. No matter what company you're working for, it is about the people. I can't stress that enough. I didn't think much of it when I was young. I thought the brilliance of my strategic plans would speak for itself, and it did not. So first, first thing is be conscious of it. Secondly, do a lot of observing, especially of the people who are good at it. How much do they listen? How much do they talk? How do they talk? Do they dominate? Do they participate? Do they suggest? Uh, how prepared are they going into the meetings? How do they prepare? Is there an agenda? Do they follow the agenda? Things like that. But in general, the biggest piece of advice I would have for anyone going into their first job is to find a job where you can learn, in general, as much as you possibly can. Just learn. Make sure it's a place where you're going to get your next education and not some place that uh, is going to kind of uh, uh, put you in a corner, tell you what to do when you do it. How have the basic tasks and responsibilities of your job or role changed as you have progressed in your field? As I've taken on more and more senior relationships, uh, the task at hand has changed from one of doing tasks, completing tasks, completing projects, to one of organizing and leading, uh, which are two very, very different things. When you're, when you're a senior person at a, at a company, you should be concerning yourself with strategy and with people. Uh, making sure you have the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus and making sure the right people are in the right seats on the bus. Making sure that they are happy. And that's a hard word to define and, and some of it involves asking them what makes them happy because you really shouldn't guess on their behalf. Uh, making sure they're challenged, making sure they have opportunities to learn and to grow and to develop and to take on more responsibilities as their abilities, uh, and making sure that the major objectives of the company, that people are keeping their eyes on the ball. And that's really hard. It's, it's very easy for people to get caught up in the day-to-day -day and the urgent 
and take their eyes off what's really important for the midterm and the long term. And the amount of kind of readjusting you have to do, think of kind of keeping a bowling ball out of the gutters. You want to try to keep it in the middle of the middle of the lane. Um, don't underestimate how much work that is. It's, it's just incredible how many different bunny trails people will go, all with the best of intentions. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the question is, were they working on things that were really important? And the answer to that isn't always yes. How, how did you learn to lead? Uh, I would say by observing. Uh, I was fortunate I had some really good bosses. And even the one boss I didn't like, in a way, I learned some things from him, too. Uh, you know, what are the things they concentrate on? You know, are they, are they at 2,000 feet or 10,000 feet or 30,000 feet? How do they guide their people? Uh, and I saw all different kinds of styles. I saw people who would walk into a room and take charge right away. And I saw other people who would uh, let someone else run the meeting and kind of watch and observe. And if things began to run off track, they would correct things and say, remember why we're here, you know, what we're trying to accomplish here. Uh, limiting scope creep is a, is a big skill for for someone senior because projects can take on a life of their own and never end and and that isn't always useful but I would say I learned by by watching and also by making mistakes <laughs> of which I had ample opportunity uh, and getting feedback from bosses and I was really fortunate to have uh, bosses that did give me some candid feedback I didn't always like it but you can believe that however defensive I got when <clears throat> the news was delivered, I certainly was thinking about it on the way home. That's so great. I guess eventually it sunk in. That's great. As you look back at your career, are there any major things you would have done differently? Uh, yes. The first couple of jobs I took after I got my MBA, which were with manufacturing companies, I deliberately looked for companies that were not doing well and frankly were not very well managed. Theory being that I would stand out and get promotions really fast and in fact that is what happened. The problem is I didn't learn much because these companies weren't, they were badly managed for a reason <laughs> uh, and they weren't performing for a reason uh, and they weren't they weren't current. They weren't current in their thinking. They weren't current in their technology. They weren't current in their best practices on the floor. And so I did not learn probably what I should have learned early in my career. And if I had it to do over again, I would have taken a position at a really well-run company and maybe accepted the fact that I wouldn't be the, you know, the smartest person in the room, but I would have learned a lot more. And in the long run, I think I would have come out ahead. And the advice I've given to my uh, older son, who is now in his first job, uh, was to take a job where he could learn. And did he? He has. He has. I'm very proud of him. What's he doing? He is working for a company called Equipnet, which is the largest broker of used industrial equipment in the country. He's in uh, sales. 
They sell every kind of equipment you can imagine, so he's got a ton to learn, and he's got a ton to learn about how to sell and how to build relationships. And you know, he's really early, early on. He's only a year and a half out of school, and uh, and he's doing very well. That's great. Yeah. That's great. What role, if any, has luck, good or bad luck, uh, played in your career? Let me make an example. Uh, let's say you're in the airport and you run into an old friend you haven't seen in 10 years. Is that luck? Uh, yeah, to a point it is. Uh, your friend didn't necessarily need to be there that day. They might have been in a different terminal, so you might have been there the same day but never seen each other. But luck played a role and you saw your friend. On the other hand, if you hadn't gone to the airport in the first place, then you would not have had the opportunity for luck. And what I found is that people who are active and who get around and who get to know a lot of people and who have a big network and who stay in touch with that network tend to be lucky, <laughs> right? But as someone smarter than me said, and it might have been Thomas Edison, but I'm not sure, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And there's a lot to that. So yeah, there's a role for luck, but a lot of it you make. That's a great quote. How, how do you manage your network? Uh, I pay attention. Uh, LinkedIn is the primary tool that I use for managing my network. I look at my feed every day. I like and I share things that I see posted. Once in a while I post things myself. Uh, I'm active in a couple of groups. Uh, and whenever I meet someone, uh, as soon as I get their business card and as soon as I have a minute to think, they are getting an invitation to connect on, on LinkedIn. And then I have uh, a habit of trying to call one person each day that I haven't talked to in a long time just to say hello, just to see what's going on. Uh, and I attend various meetings in the area around, you know, when I bump into people or I meet people or things like that. Uh, it does require some work. You have to pay attention, but boy, does it pay off. It is one of the best things you can do to uh, further your career is to have uh, an extensive network. The other lesson that I've learned, and this was another lesson I, I guess I learned in the biggest way right after I became unemployed two years ago. By luck, I called uh, a friend of mine. This was a guy who I coached Little League with years ago, and I knew he was very well connected, and I figured, well, I'll start with him. Why not? He knows everybody. And uh, we were sitting in a Starbucks, and he was telling me about all the different things he was involved with. And he was an adjunct professor here, and he had a sales gig there, and he was an advisor, and he was on a board of directors, and a nonprofit, and this and that. And finally I said, Frank, how do you get involved in all this stuff? He says, it's really simple. I I call people or I have a coffee with them right here in Starbucks and I find some way to help them. And boy, the light turned on. Uh, networking is not about taking. It's really more about giving. And you'll probably give more than you get, but that's okay. It's not a bad thing at all. And it sure does pay off. If you're known as someone who is willing to help, uh, by connections, by referrals, by hints, just by listening sometimes, somehow karma will come around and you will be fortunate. It's, it's, it's about giving, it's not about taking. <laughs>
that's what networking is. Well, thank you for giving us today a little bit of your history and advice. We really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure.